Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... God, I know the seasons of my life are in your hands. God, I know that maybe my kids are not where I want them to be, but this is a season. I know maybe my marriage is not where I want it to be, but this is a season. I know that my job, my health, whatever it is, is not where I want it to be, but God, I know this is a season. And I know that you're going to work this out for my good. The seasons of our lives are in God's hands, but it takes faith to demonstrate the power of that belief in the midst of each season. Believers can take comfort in the promises of God when it comes to the ever-changing seasons of life. As we get into today's message with Pastor Jim, we'll let the scriptures minister to our hearts in the midst of this season. The events of life are in the sovereign hands of the Almighty God, but we need to trust and surrender to Him to successfully walk through them. Now let's open our Bibles and join Pastor Jim for part two of his message entitled, What Time Is It? Verse two, a time to be born and a time to die. That's, there it is, right? From the beginning to the end of life, a time to plant and a time to pluck what has been planted. So here the Bible writer tells us that God chooses the time, okay, of our birth and our death. Now, some people may say we can do certain things. We can never affect our birth, but we can do certain things to affect, even what somebody might say a C-section or, or, or maybe some sort of uh, you know, way of that you can, now this injections for someone would have themselves killed or something like that. But remember, it didn't catch God by surprise. He knew when there would be the time of birth. He knew when it would be the time of death, just as he chooses a time to plant and to harvest. Let me ask you a question. Why didn't you plant in February in the middle of the snowstorm? Won't grow. That's not true. Because God chose when you're going to plant. God chose when you're going to plant. Now, you can plant in the winter. You can under the snow. It's not going to grow, right? See, God chose the time. Those of you who have vegetable gardens, he chose the time to plant, and he chose the time that you're going to reap, okay, that you're going to get. You, you didn't choose that. You didn't choose that. God did that. And certainly, we have a, there's a time to work. There's a time to plan. There's a time to harvest. There's a time to enjoy. It could be here that might be that planting is birth and plucking is death. There's a time when God says, I'm going to plant you. And there's another time when I'm going to pluck you out of this world. You see, what is, what is God driving us to as a, as a gardener? You know what? You know that you, if you plant something, that it needs water and it needs sun. And God is saying to everybody, I know where you bought the seeds, but I want you to ask where the water came from. I want you to ask where the sun came from. I want you to ask who in the world is in charge of the rotation of the planet around the sun that determines when I plant and when I harvest. Now, many people look at this 
poem. We know it more as a song, but of course, you know, Pete Seeger just, you know, pilfering from the Bible. I don't think God had a problem with it, to be honest with you. Many people say it's negative, but remember chapter two, which we closed out last week, ended with the enjoyment of God. So it's a huge lesson that we are about to learn, huge, that a committed follower of Jesus Christ comes to love the sovereignty of God. That a maturing follower of Jesus, no matter what's going on, is willing to say, God, I know the seasons of my life are in your hands. God, I know that maybe my kids are not where I want them to be, but this is a season. I know maybe my marriage is not where I want it to be, but this is a season. I know that my job, my health, whatever it is, is not where I want it to be, but God, I know this is a season, and I know that you're gonna work this out for my good. And he's gonna tell us so much in the verses to come. Verse three, he continues with things or activities, seasons of our lives, things that happen between life and death. He says, verse three, a time to kill. That doesn't mean you're like, I wanna kill you. I don't think that's what it is. I think Solomon would be talking about, about war, okay? A time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up. And probably a general application for us is there's, there's sometimes we tear things down and we, we build them back up or we replace them or we start all over. Verse four, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. Friends, there are going to be in this life, in between your birth and and your death, times of great sorrow, crushing sorrow, times when you're going to wonder if you can even go on. And God says, listen, maybe your friends are going to tell you, oh, you just got to trust God and whatever. And God says, no, there's a time to mourn. But he also says, you know, there's also times to enjoy. All of life is not to be mourning. There's a season for it, yes but there's also seasons of great joy and maybe we should enjoy them. Maybe we shouldn't live like all of life is so miserable. Verse five, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. In war, they would throw stones on fields to destroy it. They wanted to destroy the enemy's field. They couldn't just blow it up and then they would come back maybe in the aftermath and take the stones up to to make that field useful again. A time to embrace. Maybe that's just a hug, right? Maybe it's a time to love people. Maybe if you're married, it's a way to, to just say things that maybe there's no words for. He says, a time to refrain from embracing. Any of you guys with daughters know exactly what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> Some guy comes over, wants to date your daughter. And you say, yes, there's a time to embrace and a time to refrain. Guess which time it is for you, my friend, <laughs> right? Could be times when we want to be with people. And other times we just want to be alone. That's okay. That's okay. A time to gain or a time to acquire things and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to throw away. Some of us don't throw anything away, right? <laughs> Pack rats, pack rats. It could be in our society, you know, 
as, as some of us get older, you know, you're young. If you're young, maybe you have a family. You're thinking, oh, we need another bedroom. You know, we need a bigger house. We need a bigger apartment. And then you get older, the kids move out, and you're like, why do we have this big place? <laughs> right? Maybe we need to downsize a little. Verse 7, a time to, to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silent and a time to, to speak. When there was intense mourning, what people would do, would they would, they would tear their clothes and they would keep silent. One of the ways you knew that they were getting better is they would take the clothes that they tore, they would sew them back up again. And they would start, they would start talking again. But I think it's a great picture of our relationship with Jesus. There's, there's times when we need to talk to Jesus, but there's also probably a lot more times when we just need to be still and we need to be quiet and we need to be silent and we need to hear the Lord speak. I know I'm old-fashioned, but that's probably one of the reasons why I'll, I will probably never make it a regular practice to use my cell phone to spend time alone with the Lord because it dings too much from other places. A time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. So the Bible writer here is making some observations of life. Bible students, you might want to note, when you read the Bible, one of the key questions you want to ask yourself is, is the text uh, descriptive or is it prescriptive, right? Is it uh, describing, descriptive, something that occurred, or prescripted, telling us something to do? So here you have one here, Um, a time to kill. Descriptive or prescriptive? I think that's descriptive, okay, right? Uh, Solomon having 700 wives, that's descriptive. You don't tell your wife, ah, I need you know, 699 to go, babe. I'll be like Solomon. That's not what we do at all. Here, he's just describing a general description of life. Not all of us will experience every part of it, but most of us will experience a lot of these things, and they're out of our control, Interesting, when Pete Seeger wrote the song, uh, it was a peace song, that was the purpose of writing it. He adds at the end, after a time of peace, he adds, I swear it's not too late. I wonder if Pete Seeger was onto something that a lot of us are onto, that something seems to be missing. When the author says a time of peace or a time of shalom, it is so elusive in the human existence I don't know about you, I really don't consider myself to be a really um, high and low person. I'm not, you know, up and down and up and down. Sometimes I wish I was a little more like that, to be honest with you. But I, I feel so unsettled so often. I just often feel like there's just something missing, that there's so much more out there, and, that, and you always feel like there's something to deal with. You remember that, that great theologian, Rosanna Dana, right? It's always something. Earth's time is very complex. I don't know that I've found anybody who has uh, captured it better to me than St. Augustine. St. Augustine said this about time. He said, I thought I understood it until someone asked me to explain it to them. <laughs> I find that strangely comforting. (laughs) Well, that's earth's time. Let's move to God's time, number two. The Bible writer asked the same question that he asked in chapter one. He asked it here in verse nine. What profit, business term, Bible uses a lot of business terms because it knew that a lot of people were in business. A lot of people went out and worked in the working world. So it tries to use examples that can really come to where people are. What profit, what return on investment, we might say, has the worker from that in which he labors? Now, 
thinking of the secular skeptic who thinks that, you know, this is it, and what we just heard, we're supposed to say none. Basically, this is the summary of life. You live, you get hurt, you get disappointed, and then you die. Oh, happy day, right? Really, that's like, really, thanks for sharing. But this is one of the ways, many ways that the Bible shines. The Bible shines in that it mentors us through the ups and downs of life. The Bible prepares us for the next season of life if we are just willing to adjust and yield ourselves to the sovereign plan of God. But let's be honest. We tend to want life arranged the way we want it, right? We tend to avoid things that we don't like. And this could be a real reason why we're often not ready for the next season. I get the feeling here, after laying out the seasons of life, the things that you and I can't control, can't control, I get the feeling that the Bible writer wants to take all of us out for a cup of coffee or a cup of tea or decaf if you drink that silly stuff, right? <laughs> right? And say, listen, loved one, if you don't yield to the seasons of life, if you don't adjust your expectations of this world, you're going to find this place to be really painful. You're going to be miserable all the time. You're not going to enjoy anything because you're always going to be frustrated. Reflecting on the, on the question of what do we get for the work from which we labor, he processes through the question. This is, this is why we need times of quiet and times of still and processing because it's the only way we can sort some of these things out, at least to gain some sort of perspective on it because if we're always in motion, if we're never getting away, if we're never, if we're never really focusing, we won't be, we won't be good students of, of the Bible and we won't be good students of, of this world. He says, verse 10, he says, I have seen the God-given task, uh, many versions say the God-given business. For Christians who are all, we're all ministers and we, we might say the God-given ministry. I've, he says, I've seen the God-given task with which the sons of men are to be occupied. What's he saying? I had my Bible in one hand that taught me a lot about the sovereignty of God and that he's in control of a lot of things that we are just not. But in the other hand, I had the newspaper. I had the remote watching the news. I watched the people that I work with and that I interact with every day. So he's seen the God-given task, the work that God gave us to do. A Bible student, you definitely want to circle verse 11 in your Bible. And this is one of the greatest verses in the whole of the Bible on God's sovereignty. If you don't think God's in control of this world, here's one of those verses that you need to, to, to have in your repertoire. He says this, and God's sovereignty is God's control over everything ultimately. Verse 11, he, God, has made everything beautiful in its time. God, in his sovereignty, in his power, has made everything beautiful in its time. God exists outside of time. God knows the end. You and I don't. Okay, God promises no matter what has happened to you, no matter what, I will, for my children, make it beautiful in its time. It may make no sense here on earth, none. 
God says, don't rush it. If you rush it, it won't be beautiful. It might be reasonably good looking. (laughs) It might be comfortable for you, but I'm gonna take this whole world and all of the sin that's happened in it, all of your heartache, all of your misery, all of your pain, and you watch what I do with it. I'm gonna make it beautiful. I'm gonna make it so off the charts gorgeous. You're gonna worship me. He, God, has made beautiful everything in its time, and he has put eternity in their hearts. See, that longing for something more, that longing for a different world is something that God has programmed into your heart. Your dissatisfaction of much of what goes on in this world is the programming of eternity in your heart. Except that, here's the really hard part, you ready? except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. So maybe you work with someone like this. Maybe you are this kind of person that says, I can't do anything unless I know the reason why. God says, well, I'm not telling you. I'm not telling you. Well, if I just knew why, if I just knew why, then I'd be okay. God says, nope, nope, not gonna tell you. Not gonna tell you. God has set the times for all of life. Many of you have heard, we've used it before, the great tapestry illustration. Look at a tapestry, right? And you will see that the top is beautiful, but you flip it over and it's chaos. It's all these threads that seem to be going all in opposite and different directions. And that's what life is like. We're living on the flip side. We're in the chaos We don't understand what's going on. We don't get with it. And God says, don't worry, loved one. Don't worry, my little one. Don't worry, my child. There will come a day when you will flip it over and you will say, my gosh, is that beautiful? That's my life? You're kidding me, God. That's my life? And you're like, it's beautiful. And God says, I told you. When you were in Ecclesiastes chapter three, I told you that's what I was gonna do. The Bible writer is driving us to joy-filled faith in the chaos. Doesn't mean we're running around when bad things happen going, oh, this is wonderful. That's stupid. Joy-filled faith and trust in God in the chaos. God wants us to see that the top of the tapestry gives perspective to the bottom. That where he's taking everything helps us to figure out what's going so very wrong in this life. And even if we can't figure out what's going wrong in this life, we have to realize that there will be a day when it will be beautiful in its time. Now you might be saying, Pastor Jim, are you saying, do you have the audacity to say that God is in control And when bad things happen to me, he wants me to turn to him in faith. 100% yes, that's what I'm saying. 100% yes. I mean, think about it. If everything was perfect, why would you need friends? Why would you need friends? Hey, you want to get together and talk? See how things are going? Why? Everything's perfect. (laughs) Why would you need love? Why would you need love? Right? Oh, I love you. You'd be like, well, I don't care. Everything's perfect. Well, I don't need your love. (laughs) And why would you need God? If everything was perfect, why would you need God? How can I trust God's timing? 
Galatians 4, 4 through 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. At the exact right time, we said the Roman Empire, the roads were paved, they had one language. The people of God had lost hope. He sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem or to buy those who were under the law, to pay for the sins of people who had violated God's law on the cross. Why? That we might receive the adoption as sons. Because it was a good plan. It didn't seem right at the time. Do you think that people were looking at the cross going, oh, this is a good plan. I love this. No. No. Jesus was born. Jesus died. Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus ascended into heaven at the appointed time. God's perfect time. What's our problem? We want to know more, right? All right, God, I'm, I'm okay with you not telling everybody else, but you got to tell me. The apostles felt the same way. Jesus is ready to ascend, and they go, so when will you restore the kingdom? Jesus answered, Acts 1-7, and he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. What did he say? I'm not telling you God's time. I'm not telling you God's time. Christian friend, here today, and you're not a Christian, today you can become one. You can put your trust in Jesus Christ. Everybody had to at some point there's no grandchildren in this thing. You've got to come to your own place. It doesn't matter if your grandma prayed the rosary every night for 20 years. It doesn't matter. You have to transact with God yourself. And when you've come to that place of putting your trust in Jesus Christ, you can know that God's plan for you is good. God's plan for you is wise. Some of us even know the sins that we committed. God has used them in our lives to help us speak with people and say, man, there is hope for people like you because I was one of them. Instead of thinking, oh, I can't believe those people do that stuff. You know, you know why people do that stuff. And you have a voice to speak into their lives. God's plan for you is good, it's wise. But here's the problem. God doesn't ask for your opinion, does he? There's no suggestion box in heaven, Right? <laughs> like, you know, hey, God, I have a few suggestions for you. God doesn't let us choose the seasons, does he? I mean, some of you don't like the hot weather, and you, and I, you think, okay, well, you know, I'm going to move somewhere else, or, you know, people, you don't like the winter, so you move to Florida or something like that. But really, the seasons of life, God doesn't let us choose them. He asks for our faith in them. He asks for our trust in them. People have questions about life, don't they? Don't they? You know Why? because he's put eternity in their hearts. But not so we know, so we seek him. So we put our trust in him. God says it all will be beautiful in its time. Faith is confidence that God's work is beautiful, but it's also confidence in his timing too. So there we go, earth's time God's time, now we come to our time. In light of the fact that we know all this, what are we to do with it? Verse 12, he says, I know that nothing is better for them. For who? For people, specifically the people of God. Nothing is better for them than to rejoice and to do good in their lives. Now, I think it, this could be associated, rejoicing could be associating with faith. You don't rejoice in God unless you have faith. And to do good in your lives is, is, is good works that we would do. Do things that please God in the best interest of others. The Bible says this, faith followed by works, not works first, 
right? Works done in response to faith in God. Verse 13, and also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. So what's the first conclusion he makes about our time? Rejoice in God and enjoy life. Use the time you have here on earth to live for God. Get busy. Get busy with the task or the business that God has given and enjoy it. Become Romans 12, a living sacrifice. You have been listening to Changed by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our hope and prayer is that all of our listeners would grow into committed followers of Jesus Christ. And we are overjoyed to play whatever role we can in helping you mature in your faith. Would you like to know more about us? Maybe you would like to pass this message on to a friend or family member. If so, go to our website at www.changedbyloveradio.com. Maybe you have a question or need some guidance. We don't want to replace your pastor, but we are here to help. It's so easy to contact us. All you have to do is call, click, or write. Our phone number is 973-659-3380. That's 973-659-3380. Our email address is info at changedbyloveradio.com. Our mailing address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. You may be surprised to know how excited Pastor Jim and the Changed by Love radio team are to hear from you. In fact, it is common for Pastor Jim to pass on your encouragement to the congregation here in New Jersey, since we consider all of our listeners part of our family. That's all the time we have for today. Our sincere hope and desire is that you will join us again next time on this radio station as we continue teaching the Word of the Lord here in the book of Ecclesiastes, one verse at a time. We here at Changed by Love pray God's best to each and every one of you today.